Heaven high. Heaven high. This is episode one hundred and ninety-eight. Is that a good number or a bad number? Just I like it. I like the number one hundred ninety-eight a lot, actually. I like one hundred ninety-eight. I think more numbers should be one hundred ninety-eight. I agree. I agree entirely. I think three could especially look at uh, moving up to one hundred ninety-eight. We got quite a podcast of doing dot com. Rums doing dot com. Blah blah blah. We did get quite a bit of feedback last time. Suddenly, people emailed us because they felt sorry for us. I think maybe we just we we reached the right level of pity. Yes, and people did. Uh, shall, shall we read any of the emails no. that we got? No. Shall we just ignore them? That no, will just encourage them. It's true. What's the topic? The topic today is: Shall would it not be easier just to ban people from being between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five? Okay, yeah, I suppose it would. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Did, why did you go to a bus museum? <laughs> because Laura's a monster. That, that a sounds monster, awful. I tell you. You know about Laura's love affair with the Kenjin voice? Yes, I do. Yes, the, 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 the world's best local newspaper. The premier local newspaper. Yes. Uh, the, we, she was very excited to discover we featured in a couple of issues ago. You featured? With Laura... Me and baby Toby. Oh, really? How exciting. At approximately two pixels high. Uh-huh. There's a photograph of some summer eventy thing in Saltford that we went to. And she's like, look, look, that's the vague shape of us. Two pixels each? Or did you each, would you have to all fit in the Toby two got a single pixel and, and Laura and I got a couple each. Oh, that's nice. We are like utterly unrecognisably tiny. We just knew right. that's where we were sitting. So oh. that's how we know it was us. I'm looking forward to how this turns into a bus. Indeed. Well, the most recent issue, uh, Laura was reading and learned of the um, Brislington bus show, I guess. <sighs> wow, Brislington. Even the, the reason name sounds awful. Brislington is the world's most awful uh, traffic jam that's located just at the edge of Bristol. Okay. Um, it's a permanent traffic jam because Bristol doesn't know how to phase traffic lights. Right. Um, and there's a park and ride there, and the park and ride was taken over by ye oldie worldy buses. <laughs> now, I was as interested in this as you can guess. Hold on, uh, hold on, why are we suddenly at Brislington now? Because that's just up the road. No, but it was in the Canesham voice. Yes, yeah, because it's so what? I'm sure they're on the border of Canesham. Yeah, but I'm sure there are plenty of things in the Canesham voice that you don't go to. There's something yes. missing here. It's just Laura decided that what she wanted to do... Sorry, am I boring you? Hey, good work. Well spotted. That was to go to the bus thing and then... Because you could then get on an oldie-worldie bus and go to Bitten Railway Station and from there get a steam train. The steam train is the only interesting thing that one can do. The the buses are uninteresting. Agreed. And so, anyway, that's what we did. We went to the bus thing and then uh, Laura and uh, our friend James made us uh, walk around these ridiculous racist old buses with gollywogs on the side. <laughs> Sounds like jo- John Shuttleworth Strikes Tram Museum. <laughs> it is exactly that. Yeah. It was all outdoors and all these... And everyone there, there were people there with t-shirts with buses on them. Bus t-shirts. <laughs> no one else was there as ironically as we were. What, what was the crowd's favourite bus? It was hard to discern this information. There must um, have been there must have been a crowd puller. But we got to go on an old bus that wasn't particularly interesting. It was just just a double decker bus, but without air conditioning. Uh huh. That's what made it stand out. So we got like boiled. any British like any British bus. Then <laughs> we got to boil to death uh-huh. for the journey to the railway station. Uh huh. And then we went on this choo choo train. Uh-huh. And then we got on the stupid bus back again, uh-huh. and then drove home. The end. Wow, I wish I could do things like that. <laughs> I know, what a treat, eh? Did Toby enjoy himself? Toby was in, Toby seemed to enjoy the steam train, I suppose. He liked putting his head out the window. Toby won't remember any of this and it'll make no difference to his life at all. Or perhaps we'll make some awful act, we'll accidentally instill some love of buses in him <laughs> that will <laughs> manifest in later life. One hopes not, one hopes I not. I do hope not. Buses are dreadful. Uh, they are awful, I mean... <laughs> I would I would always rather run than take a bus, and I, I actually mean that, and I've done that. But what about if the bus were to far, far away? I wouldn't take a bus to far, far away. I'd take a train. 
Aren't you sweaty and yucky when you get there if you run to places rather than take the bus? No, because um, you get to a level where you can run at a certain pace, like a 10-minute mile or, or, or something like that, uh, where you don't get sweaty. And, and actually, that, that pace, to me, feels more comfortable than walking. Um, so that's, that's fine. because you're sick, though, isn't it? That's because you're sick and twisted. I mean, as my brother says, you know, we, we on holiday, we go running and we went running and we do sprints and that sort of stuff. But there is absolute... That's all fine. But there's absolutely nothing as tiring on your body, your mind, and your ankles as walking around a museum for a day. I know. Why is it so painful? Why do feet hurt? I can spend the day on my feet walking around town or yeah. getting stuff done. But if I'm going to a museum or the zoo, as I did on Saturday, my feet fall off. <laughs> yes. And as I was saying, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I ran the half marathon quick enough and... Still going to a museum feels about like that level. You have to get to that level before the crossover point comes. It was ridiculous. We went to the Bristol Zoo on on Saturday. Mm. And I was in so much pain by the end of the day. It didn't make any sense. How much does it cost to get into Bristol Zoo? It's about 13, 14 pounds. It costs 20 pounds to get into London Zoo. Goodness me. You Londoners with your futuristic prices. Judy's going there on Thursday as part of a holiday club. Well, even for a little tiny baby, it costs that much money. Apparently it does, yes. Toby was cheap because Toby was free. Hooray! (laughs) Yeah, enjoy that while it lasts. Toby very much, and when we went to the zoo, Toby's favourite things were the ripply light on the water by the penguins. Right. And the pigeon that came right up to him at lunchtime. (laughs) Well, to be fair, that was the most interactive wildlife there. It was the best bit. That's not true, actually. We got to go and have parrots were landing on us and Toby was completely indifferent to it. Were they saying anything? They were just eating out of little cups. (laughs) Um, He was, again, we took him into, we went to um, Longleat Zoo a a while back and there's an amazing bat cave there with all these bats flitting and flying around you and some will land on you if you, if you, if you're lucky, but most of them just sort of buzz you as they fly past. Toby was like, meh, whatever. I might agree with you about Corbyn. <laughs> might you? You might but, agree with me on the... Uh, which bit? Go on. Well, I mean, he's obviously hideous and unelectable. Uh, but you see, the, the degree to which I might agree with you... Do you think we should share you, the preamble with the audience? Nah. No? The, the, the degree to which I think I might agree with you is ambiguous, because I'm not sure, because you said, OK, he's... He's useless and unelectable, and he he loves people who kill gays and Jews, but and throw acid in lady faces. Yeah, he likes he like, oh he likes a bit of acid lady face. Mm-hmm. However, um, and you say that might kind of drag the Labour Party a bit to the left. He'll be unelected. He'll get kicked out, and they'll they'll find a new kind of middle ground. That's what that's my that's my uh, pipe dream. Yes, but couldn't that also then massively cause the pendulum to? swing so that the Labour Party eventually finds a much more right ground. Well, the, how would be my question. I don't understand how they can be farther right than they are right now. Well, they aren't anything right now, are they? Well, right now they're Harriet Harman saying to vote in favour of well, the welfare reforms. So, so, sexist Harriet Harperson. um but yeah so that's as right as that you know so so, uh, demanding that labor vote for the poorest people in the country to suffer the most is as far as away from labor values as you can get i don't see that there's a a no but that was that was strategic wasn't it a strategy that backfired but it wasn't because they actually liked the the reforms it was oh god everybody in this country is a selfish bastard we'd better play along well, that uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their ideology is. It's their actions that count. Mm. So, yeah. And so, uh, so, so my rationale is we have the choice of stay where they are in the centre-right and be unelectable because we've already got a much more effectively right-wing party or go with Corbyn and become a laughingstock unelectable left uh-huh. and then realise they need to maybe find some middle ground and rediscover their left-wing roots. That's yeah, how my, long is that going to hope. take? That's going to take uh, 20 years, at least. Well, no, I would probably go closer to 10. So the next two elections will be lost. Yeah, well, yes, but I think they're going to be anyway. If I had any, if there were any version of events I could think of in which involved the Labour winning in 2020, I would leap on it. But they're not but, going to win. 
but they're not. So this is therefore I'm trying to think of what's the best possible outcome rather than pretending it'll be all lovely if Vet Cooper is Prime Minister in 2020. Well, what's going to happen, of course, is that Boris Johnson is going to take over from Cameron and he'll win. And that's the end of it. Do you really think it'd be Johnson rather than Osborne? Yes, I do. I do. Osborne is... I don't think the Tories will make the same mistake of putting an unpopular but weirdly respected Chancellor uh, into the position of becoming a Prime Minister. Neither, neither Brown nor Osborne would look comfortable or did look comfortable in the Prime Ministerial seat. And I think surely they realise that that's not going to work for them. I, I don't know. I just wonder whether the, the, whether Osborne's re- the no. need for power and greed will put him there. Remember the 2012 Olympics where where Osborne and Boris Johnson both uh, effectively went on the stage. Osborne was booed oh, and yes, Boris Johnson was cheered. And that's all that matters in monkey world. But you've got and to remember that, that Boris Johnson was on the bike abuse for you. Exactly. That's all that matters in monkey world. We need to stop <laughs> pretending that other things do matter. And therefore, Boris Johnson, unless uh, uh, something extraordinary happens, like, um, I don't know, uh, he has a deep, dark secret, which George Osborne will suddenly threaten to reveal unless he steps down graciously. I would have thought they've both got so much ammunition on each other, they've just got a Cold War truce there. (laughs) Yes, I would have thought so. I mean, uh, George Osborne's uh, drug-taking and... uh, and uh, goings on with this S&M, madam, is certainly enough to really have a big dossier on him. But at the moment, it's not really stuck. But I suppose if Boris Johnson were able to pull out and leak the appropriate photographs, maybe if, they would. Hey, hey, Nick, if Boris Johnson were able to pull out, he wouldn't have so many love children. <laughs> and he does. He's, he's such a philanderer. That's the funny thing. He's like, but there's so normally with a politician, it's like, the the discovery of their extramarital affair is their undoing. But with Johnson, he's just gone in with them all dangling from his waist. He's like, oh, don't look at me, foppish me. I just don't know when when, when to stop putting it in places where they shouldn't be. Oh, I'm a I cheeky enjoy- chappy with a mop of blonde hair that's carefully tussled. I did, exactly. I did enjoy that moment during the election night coverage where Dimbleby gets to that point where he's just so tired that he can't be bothered anymore. And he saw Johnson's tousled hair and went, oh, I see you've very meticulously arranged your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Which he does. Yeah. I mean, He just called him on it. It was great. Boris Johnson is, he's very clever. He's one of the most cynical politicians that I think are around. Very, very clever. And it works. I mean, it works. People are stupid enough that it works and it works well. So good luck to him. He, at least he plays the game right. The problem with people like Andy Burnham and Yvette Cooper is they have no clue how to play the monkey game. And that's what I disrespect of them more than anything else, more than their substance, more than their vacuous lack of policies. It's the fact that they can't even play the let's make ourselves look like decent electable politicians game properly. You know? Well, at least if if Yvette Cooper doesn't win, at least she can always go back to her studies at Hogwarts. <laughs> yes. She well. looks she just looks like an irascible scamp. Aren't you being a bit sexist? I don't think so. I think you are. I think you're being sexist and you need to withdraw that comment. I don't understand what's sexist about pointing out that she looks like an irascible scamp. Would you focus on the looks of the male contestants, John? I think we just got done doing that with Boris Johnson. Uh, You're just deflecting now. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy Corbyn looks like a cartoon of a lefty. Somebody somebody said... What was it? They... I can't remember what they said. There was a very apt description of him that somebody had the other day, which I shall, which will come back to me in the middle of some other sentence mm-hmm. that you'll say, and then I'll mm-hmm. tell you it. <laughs> I look forward to being interrupted at that point. I will interrupt you at that point. Talking of Laura, how is married life treating you? <laughs> How's married life treating you, Nicholas? We never talk about your uh, sham of a marriage. Oh, it's fine. How's your sham of a marriage? It's, it's concealing things nicely. <laughs> Excellent. Bubbling, <laughs> bubbling under well. Um, That's right. Do, um, I, oh, I, oh, I saw that hideous photograph of Lucy's new tail oh. I don't think you should be allowed to post such things to social media. <laughs> I, 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 I was really you. reluctant to. 
Uh, Google's new uh, <laughs> the danger hashing mechanism will pick up. Sorry, Alphabet, Alphabet Inc.'s Alphabet, new danger, yes, new danger hashing mechanism will pick it up. So she's she broke her tail as we discussed. Oh, <laughs> never oh, been more angry in my life. Yeah, who is it? Um, it was Songul. Shall I ignore her? Yeah, you should ignore Songul. Okay, don't I'm ignore Songul. She's lovely. She's she's lovely. She's she's fine, but I shall ignore her anyway. Huh, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, so she broke a tail, as we discussed. It's uh, The end has now been chopped off, so she had about two or three inches of tail removed. Right. In order to do this, they had to shave much farther down the tail, and so a cat's shaved tail looks like a rat's tail. I know we said, but it looks worse than you mentioned even but on now, the last but podcast. It's, but now it's not a rat tail that tapers off. It just stops at this awful cylindrical end with bits of wire sticks <laughs> poking out. Um, and it's just hideous. It's like a, it's like a rubber car aerial. Poking out of her furry bottom. And it's really, I mean, it must mean that you you can't love her as much. I definitely love her to start with. It's true. And she has, (laughs) and she's wearing her, the, the, uh, the, the collar of, of, uh, ignominy. And so she can't go outside for another flipping week. I'm stuck with her for another week in the house, moping around. How is she responding to all this? She's actually, it's kind of crappy. So like, when she broke, when she had the hole in her foot and she was in for a week. <laughs> She's she such was, an awful... I know! <laughs> um, she was uh, just a, a pain in the ass because she was bored and angry. But this time it's kind of depressing. She's just really miserable and mopes around. Oh dear. It's not much fun at all. Toby's loving it because Lucy can't be bothered to run away from Toby anymore. So he's all over her. He, da, da, is he pulling her tail? He is not, thank goodness. But he was. She's so good with him. She was whacking her paws yesterday, and she was. She didn't hit him. Shall I tell you about my uh, France vacation? Something very French happened, actually, yeah, which, so ta- which, so which you could went to be the in, south of France. Yeah, there's something so French happened that it actually could be in a um, in a very bad UKIP made sitcom. You go on Um, holiday so often, I think you can claim non-domicile status. Oh, stop your nonsense. Um, (laughs) Well, one thing I did find out, though, is that the Parisians are much friendlier than the south of France folk. Gosh, the south of France folk can't be much fun. No, the Parisians were generally pretty much to a rule. They were all charming, very friendly, etc. Whereas the I've, south of I've, France folk, hmm. I've only been to Paris twice, and both times I encountered the most almost laugh laughable level of hatred <laughs> it was just the angriest place i've ever been we Did got tro- shouted at by a man uh-huh. for wanting to order a sandwich in his cafe and sit at the table you oh, couldn't allow you ha- if you sit at the table to have a sandwich no unacceptable he shouted at us in french over and over and over again and we kept saying like, we're really sorry we don't know what you're saying our french isn't good enough can you can you say this in english barking it in french and french french and eventually i managed to appease him in some way and then they just started merrily chatting away to me in english the dick (laughs) uh yeah basically well i'll I'll tell you the whole story because it it helps to realize the saga because we were going south the reason we were going to south of france is because my 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 brother, younger brother, who's coming from Minnesota, wanted to go somewhere that was accessible by by train that was still warm and had a seaside and mm-hmm. and a, a town just outside Nice just happened to be there. It was called Berlier sur Mer, which is about ten minutes out of Nice. And usually hotels there cost eight million pounds a night, but we managed to find something in the middle of the town which was only only cost like seventy quid a night, and you know, fine. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we, and the thing was, the whole extended family was going there because it was effectively where everybody was getting to meet and play with new baby Moss, Jawain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only did did my brother and his family go and my other brother and his family go and my parents, but also uh, her, my brother's parents-in-law, in other words, the other grandparents of new Moss, Jawain. And various people were traveling up at various times, but we were traveling up with my brother and Jessica, who is very active, very physical, likes breaking things and is a 19 months old. Judith, me, Victoria, Gregory and Liana. And we were all taking the train down to the south of France. And this in, this entailed, so we, we went out via Paris and we stayed a night and then we took the train the next day. But when we came back within one day, we had to take five trains with all our baggage, uh, and five different baggage changes. And, um, 
I'm glad to say we aren't one of those people who uh, couldn't do it or winched about it. It just worked. So those of you, those of you out there who say, "Oh, it's an impossible to toddlers," blah, blah, you know, just make it work and stop your nonsense. Um, that's my instruction to you. Uh, but coming back uh, was where the interesting, very French thing happened. We took the little train to Nice, and then the train from Nice is the TGV to Paris, and it takes about five and a half hours. What's interesting is it takes about two two and a half hours to travel just along the coast, uh, and then it takes another two and a half hours to travel across the whole of France to Paris, uh, because that's the difference in speed of those lines. But anyway, right. so we get on the train, and we're sitting there, and of course we were keeping the, the two children occupied and they were drawing them to be fair they were being quite good a little bit sometimes a little bit noisy but never really whinging too much and they were doing a lot of drawing and games and so on and i was reading out i think uh gideon or my mother had sent an email and i was reading it out to them and then this french uh ticket office stroke train manager came up uh, and he looked more like a sort of vichy uh, officer with a with an armband and he says uh, in this train we do not talk I said, I beg, your, I beg your pardon. There is no talking in this train. I said, right, uh, but the you know these children here. Sometimes the children will make some noise, but there will be no talking. I said, sorry, can, and my brother said, sorry. Can you tell me where the rules are? He says, I am the rule. Wow, a direct quote. So you know, it was a bit of huffing, <laughs> and I said, I said, well, you don't want us to talk. There, I tell you, these children are going to kick off, and he and he kind of walked away in a huff, literally going, you know, you know, all a lot. You know, he might as well have had some onions around his neck, uh-huh. frankly. Um, then, uh, uh, then uh, about a couple of hours into the train journey, I took Jude, Judy out to through the vestibule because she needed to go to the loo. And I took her to the loo, and we're coming back now. In the vestibule, there's this kind of bench, and then there is a luggage rack. A lady was sitting on the bench and the luggage rack is just in front of the door, which because you have to slide open, you have to actually press the button. Now, uh-huh. on the luggage rack, there was a kind of curved hard back uh, piece of luggage, quite big. And on top of that curved hard back piece of luggage, there was this kind of canvas luggage. So you can imagine it like a wobbling on a little seesaw. Yeah. Uh, and as we were coming to the door, I had held Judith my hand and I was pressing the door and the train lurched. And the huge bag, the canvas bag on the top, came toppling down and and missed her head, falling on top of her head by like an inch. Gosh! So so I told the lady, and the lady who was sitting next to it was her baggage, and I said, "C'est très dangereux, etc., etc." Uh, because it was, and I was you know quite shaken by it. So we go and sit down. About forty-five minutes later, and this is about the time that Miss Miss Monsieur Vichinati comes back again, <laughs> the, the ticket officer. And he says. You said you need to get up and come with me. I said, I beg your pardon. He says, wow. he says, you, 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 your luggage has broken this lady's uh, precious vase and you need to give her your insurance details. So your insurance, see if your insurance can pay for it. Otherwise you must give her your insurance so you can pay for it. I said, I beg your pardon, <laughs> Mr. Ticket Inspector. Um, and so we, we, I, I come with him. We go to the lady in the vestibule and the lady, uh, I said, our luggage isn't there. Our luggage is downstairs because, you know, it's a double-decker train. What are you talking about? Um, in fact, that's her luggage that fell off her other bit of luggage and almost hit my daughter on the head. And then the lady kind of changed. Sorry, said, no, no, it's not. And so he spoke to her in French. Says, no, and she said to him, no, it's not my luggage, but, but uh, the little girl must have knocked it. And that's why it needs to be paid for. So I said... <laughs> So I said, so I said, uh, Judy, can you stand here, please? You, you're, you, you can't actually reach up to that luggage rack. So how did she knock it exactly? Um, and then the man, then the man still goes, bruh, 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 bruh. and then I said, well, what, are you making quite a serious accusation here? I said to Mr. Ticketman, what is the accusation? This is not an accusation. If I want to make an accusation, you'll know accusation. <laughs> so, so, so I said, well, okay, so I said, I think there's nothing else here, is there? He says, you can, you must go back to your seat now. I said, okay. And I went back to the seat and then he came back and walked past. My brother said, that's the second time you've, you, you, you've, you've done something silly now. He says, yes. And you, and believe me, there will be a third time. <laughs> so there's there's your there's your hello hello French and then my, my and then my brother's getting increasingly angry so his wife said Gregory you need to you need to draw your anger so he drew a kind of French occupation Nazi doing a doing a Hitler salute on a piece of paper <laughs> which which Jessica then decorated with her felt tips. <laughs> that sounds so, a great uh, bit of therapy there. 
Yeah, apparently no. Apparently that is something that you're supposed to do. Um, so you should you should try it yourself. But it, <laughs> that that was the most kind of weird French thing that happened. But actually in Paris, no, they were all pretty charming. And I'll I'll give you an, an example of that. Um, we 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 arrived at uh, Paris Gare Gare de Lyon, and we had to take the Erier, which is the uh, regional train to connect to Paris Gare du Nord to get the Eurostar back to London. And when you arrived at Gare du Nord, which is like a third world slum at the moment, they, they're having oh. to redevelop it. Um, the, uh, to get the, to Greg, for Gregory to get the baggage through, they have this very weird thing. I don't know if you've seen in London, there is just, there's, if you want to get your baggage through or if you're in a wheelchair, there are just slightly wider doors that you can go through with your ticket at the tube. I don't know if you've seen that, oh, the wider sure, yeah, gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but in Paris, they obviously don't trust people as much. So it's not, a, it's like there's a chamber, there's a chamber on one end. So there's a door on one end of the chamber and you go in, then the, then the chamber closes and then you walk to the other end and there's another door of the chamber and then you have to put your ticket in again inside the chamber to open the other door. Wow. To stop sneaking. And so Gregory went in and the uh, the chamber let him in, but then it wouldn't let him go through the next door. <laughs> so it's like caught in this chamber, he was banging and smashing. And eventually the back door, so he was allowed back out again, but he couldn't get through it. And we were just, we said, what the hell are we going to do with the baggage? Because there's this very kind of high fence wall things around the the uh, automatic ticket gates and the ticket gate wasn't wide enough to actually pass the baggage through the normal ticket gates. So they said, what the hell are we going to do? So this guy who's this, the, this French guy was, we noticed he threw his uh, bicycle over the top of the gates, like, like a, like a javelin thing. And then he hopped over it like a, like a pole vault. <laughs> and then, and then um, I saw him and then he saw where we struggling. He uh, says, I will help you with this. And I said, and we said, no, because it's, it's like the baby's prime with all the luggage already in it. It's very heavy. You have to be strong. He says, Oh, strong. I am very strong. And he sort of took the thing and, and kind of jumped over it with this whole baggage like a pole vaulter, throwing the thing over and, you know, hopping over himself again. And, and Judy said, look, it's a superhero. <laughs> and, and, then, and then he said, I am going to be performing in Camden town in the London. It's good. This is good for British French relations and zoomed off. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, um, one, one has a full variety of the French experience. Um, it's beautiful. But as I said, they, no, the Parisians were generally nuts. I think possibly they sort of know their reputation now and they, they're perhaps slightly self-conscious of it. So we, we genuinely only had, or maybe it's just when provincials like you visit Paris, you don't know how to speak big city language. Maybe us big city, maybe us big city folk know how to rub each other the right way and you come there with your, with your Keynesian voice attitudes and it just doesn't work. <laughs> I was just reading on the... I just wanted to ask you first, how many immigrants did you smuggle back? Um, I think I got one out of my shoe and several got, got caught inside Jessica's pram. But other than that, it was all right. We didn't... It's, I'm not sure how it works because of the massive problems with the Euro Tunnel, you know, with the, the shuttle. But Eurostar seems to be okay, but it's going through the same tunnel. So I don't know. Mm. I don't, I'm not sure the mechanics of that. I guess it's the loading bay at Le Shuttle where the security problems are. So I read this on the BBC News website today. It said Parisians can be rude and aggressive behind the wheel. They sound their horns loudly and gratuitously. They stop willy-nilly on busy roads to run errands or do a bit of shopping. Diplomatic plates are the worst. Most aggravatingly, Parisians are appalling signalers. They turn without advance warning, or to add insult to injury, they start to indicate as they turn. That is like a V sign to psych to the cyclist. It shows the driver knows about the indicator, but could not care less what it is for. Yes. So there you go. So he starts rants the BBC journalist rant. Hugh Schofield ranting about Paris. Uh, the uh, one thing I did notice about uh, France and the roads is the, be very careful because the pedestrian crossings don't mean the car needs to stop here and you can cross here. What it means is if you try crossing anywhere else as a pedestrian, your jaywalking will probably be thrown in sent to the French foreign legion. This yes. is a place. This is a place where you as a pedestrian are allowed to attempt to cross. Don't expect any car to actually stop for you though. I believe Bill Hicks put it that, uh, he said that in, in, uh, in LA, I can't remember the, the countries he used, but, you, you slow down and stop and then uh, in, so in France in Paris you put your foot on the accelerator and turn the wipers on <laughs> yes do you miss Bill Hicks I do I'd be interested to see where he would have gone hopefully less homophobic 
It's, I've don't re- yes, I haven't listened to his material in a long, long time. I don't remember there being much that was homophobic. Oh, very much so. Don't you remember no, his I don't. thing? Don't you remember his stuff about um, what was it? Who was George Michael in particular? Where he made fun of George Michael and very gay compared with real ma- manly rock artists like Jimi Hendrix and so on. I believe he was mocking him for being crap at pop music. No, no, the whole thing was very ooh, Diet Pepsi, ooh, you so fey and so on, and comparing it with the proper masculine attitudes. He wasn't a god, you know. He was very flawed, Mister Bill. I'm sure, Hicks. he was. Mm, he was terrible. Awful, he wasn't bloody. terrible. I'm very. I'm so glad he died of cancer. Are you pancreatic yeah, cancer especially? Well, it should have been lung cancer, though, because he was going on about uh, how lovely cigarettes were. No, he eventually quit, though. He did quit smoking. He did. He did, to be fair. But what was interesting is he was a real crusader for smoking, and then he quietly quitted. Um, Mm -hmm. What's happened with the person who stole his act? What was his name again? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, Dennis Leary, that's right. Dennis Leary, yes. I haven't heard from him of late. Oh, he's a creepy old right-winger now. Oh, is he? Yeah. We need more of those in the world. <laughs> Who's your favourite Donald Trump? <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, he, again, I find him such an unlikable personality that I don't understand why he's so popular. There was a good. There was a not good onion, There was a good Onion editorial written as if by him. Along the lines of, um, while you don't want me to be president, you'll, you really want to see how far this can go. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good point. It's, I do, it's, the idea that he could win is, is so atrocious, but... He can't win. The longer he's in it, the more entertaining it surely can be. Although, to be fair, he did make, he did make one sensible statement about how evil video games are. That was in 2012, unfortunately. I don't know if you noticed how old your retweet was. Yeah, but uh, see, has he recounted that opinion? I doubt it. Hmm. Um, Video games are making monsters of all the kids. Indeed, I instantly retweeted it as soon as you showed it to me. Good. He's um, he's not a clever man. <laughs> I've I watched. I think he isn't clever. He's not clever at all. Which no. I wonder, how does somebody as unbelievably thick as him make so much money? I haven't looked into his backstory. Is it through unbelievable luck, or did he inherit and that? He inherited. That a, he inherited okay. a vast fortune. And Fine, that's it. When you inherit a vast fortune, that's all you need. I don't even need to know yeah. anything else. Fine. And that he's declared it. himself bankrupt a number of times. Yeah. So, he, so can you tell so, that cat to shush? Um, at least she has a beautiful, fluffy tail. <laughs> oh, come on, Finch. You want to purr into the microphone? Oh, yeah. That's good. Can you hear anything? Yeah. Just don't, let's not talk. Let's just have that for the rest of the episode. Uh, that's so calming it is does uh lucy have a good purse some cats have good purse you don't hear it you don't hear it very often but (laughs) when it comes out it's very nice very good yeah um we talk about trump he um yes i watched a couple of seasons or or, or, as i call him that's a much better name i watched a couple of seasons of the american version of the apprentice oh i couldn't uh, bring myself to do that and again he's so frighteningly stupid on that program hmm and there's no glimmer of wit or uh, anything to him. So yes, he his father wasn't it his father who built all the tall buildings. Was it? I I, I thought it was him, but I may oh, be let's wrong. Find I, out. I know fair. almost nothing about the the Donald. Well, you should learn quickly because he's going to be your next prime minister of the world. Well, hold on, it's your kingdom, so you're the one who's choosing him. That's true. Come on, mm. who's your daddy? Where? Uh, I don't know his children. I don't know his parents. Uh, Fred Trump. An American What's... real estate developer and father okay, that's of a billionaire fine. business. Yes, fine, fine, yeah, yeah, fine, okay. That, that, that. He was a Ooh. self-made millionaire known for his frugal- frugality, saving unused nails and doing his own extermination work. Right, brilliant. Um, he was estimated to have amassed a fortune of worth 250 to 300 million. I suppose when you start with 300 million, um, it's pretty difficult not to be rich. Yes, he he died at 93 in 99. So, yeah, so he started off with that, and now Trump's a billionaire. Um, but that's not... No amount of money can fix that haircut. It doesn't seem so, does it? Is it a haircut? Is it a transplant or a weave? It's... it's well, whatever it is, it's the strangest thing. I'm just going to link you to a picture to make you look at it right now. Are you going to link it to all our listeners as well? No. Okay. I'm going to look at the picture. They can jolly well look at his own Wikipedia page for themselves. Yeah, that's unacceptable, that hair. It's just odd. It doesn't make sense. 
No, it's unacceptable that a man with billions of dollars should have that hair. It's not right. So he's, but then um, again, H- Hillary Clinton's not doing very well either. Is she not? No, I've been reading a number of articles which says that her campaign just isn't taking off. It's, it's a, she, she's weirdly stiff and awkward and uh, she's not answering questions properly and there's a whole thing with email gates. It's just a bit tawdry. She's, she, I don't think she's a very good candidate. You know, she, I don't think she, she does it very well, but we'll see. I mean, nobody else is going to stand against her, are they? Some people were thinking about, bizarrely, Joe Biden standing against her, which would seem very strange to me, but there you go. People are wanting Michelle Obama to stand. Well, maybe in 2025 mm-hmm. or wherever. 2026, is that when the next one's going to be? It's every four, isn't it? So <laughs> yep. much sooner than that. Well, yeah, I, do you think there will be a Michelle Obama uh, attempt for the presidency, in all seriousness? If I you don't had know. To bet, I don't, I if don't, you had to bet, would you? I, I don't, the, my problem is I don't know whether she's politically interested like um i know she's obviously a phenomenally well-educated woman and she's been doing stunning work as uh, using the 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 first lady position hmm. um but i don't know whether she's in whether she has any ambition toward that which obviously it was always obvious that hillary clinton did but yes i'm just trying to look at them looking at the latest polls for the democratic position hillary's on 52 percent she's mm-hmm. a million miles ahead joe biden's on 14 percent bernie sanders on 17 Bernie Sanders is good. I mean, he, he'll never get elected, but uh, it would be lovely if he, if he did. I mean, he's basically a weird uh, a socialist running for the Democratic <laughs> candidacy. He's a bit quaint these days, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, she's a billion miles ahead on every poll. Gosh, yeah, she's always coming in around in the 50% region and everyone else is in the teens. Let's say that the Tories win 2020 with a very comfortable majority. Okay, well, let's... let's let's not let's not cause it to happen but it is going to happen okay i know it is what, but let's not cause what do you it. what do you think they'll do with that bolstered majority already sort of 10 years in i wonder what their next radical step will be be um, interesting to see i would imagine how far they'll lower, go. lowering the uh the um welfare caps to something frighteningly low i would imagine no, surely once they have, once they're comfortably installed at that point, that'll be the five years when they finally deal with the NHS, finally and properly. You mean privatise it all up? Pretty much, yeah. Just bang, 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 shock and awe kind of thing. I think, I think that that's my prediction. That's what they'll do. What else would they? It's been a postulating sore for them since since the uh, since its foundation, and they've got to deal with it. And this will be their this will be their best opportunity ever to do so. What about what what about? Um, I see. I don't think Cameron would do that. They'll have to get rid of him first, but then they will. No, but Cameron has admitted he? that he's standing down. Yeah, yes. that's true. Hmm. I don't... Boris Johnson would be happy to do that. He's a, Boris Johnson is a very substantial Thatcherite. But I don't want that to happen. Yeah, but it is going to happen. Yeah, but don't let it. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. You you wanted Corbyn in, so that's why that is going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't. I made it very clear that I want for things that aren't going to happen to happen. That's my desire is to, for uh, another Labour candidate to say, well, hang on a second. He's massively ahead in the polls, and that's because he's not giving Tory uh, Tory policies. What if I were to give some traditionally Labour policies well, without being a big fan of fascist despots? They won't win because all of these... Uh, all of the policies that you hate about the Tories were their most popular policies that helped them to win the election. So yes, you just need to stop wishful thinking. No, but you're ignoring Corbyn's popularity. It's coming from somewhere. There is a yeah. desire for a left wing in this country. There is. And it... But so what? That's that's cherry picking. It's not. You've got to create a few. You don't have to create a lot. So, so you know, I could you could have a, uh, a WOMAD. WOMAD has thousands and thousands of people turning up. And if you went there, you think that the whole country loved world music. They don't. It's just that you're concentrating your your survey into that particular area. A few dis, disgruntled Twitter Twitterati and um, some people who are suddenly finding it exciting to uh, prod, prod, prod their nodules into uh, the postulating old man's uh, version of uh, neo-fascist socialism is not really proof that the whole country is ready to vote for that. No, but what I'm suggesting, and I don't think they are, but what I'm suggesting is that if you, cr- we need to re-educate Britain to the, what the left wing offers. Oh, Everyone's, go on then. Good. Go on then. 
No, but the way you do that is by creating an appealing looking party that eventually people will wish to vote for, but they won't vote for it on the first day it exists. But as it becomes a more appealing prospect, it will gain following and people will eventually want to vote for it. Just people look- tried that with where they tried that with foot. They tried that with Kinnock. They tried that. The only time they managed to win three times, I'll have you remember, is with uh, the most hated man, apparently, Tony B. Liar. But then look at the position the Liberal Democrats found themselves in in 2007. What position? Oh, when, you know, sorry, in, in 2010, when they were suddenly polling at a point where people think, well, actually, they could actually win this election. That was Except a- they didn't and couldn't, and it was nonsense. That's my point. That was, again, more cherry-picking, wishful-thinking, fairy-tale rubbish. They didn't win very much at all. But what I'd suggest is if they hadn't gone into coalition they, and they, if they, they could have continued that role as becoming an appealing opposition party and eventually taking that place. Why do you want to think that... Oh, I know why you want to, but why do you think that this country is just waiting for the right left-wing proposition? It isn't. It's a conservative country that likes what the, generally likes what the Tories have been saying. That's why the Tories won even when they weren't supposed to. I don't know why you think that if we could just tuna just right suddenly these people will be sensible they won't be sensible your countrymen don't like generally don't like left-wing propositions the most popular aspect of what the tories were doing even amongst people who claimed to be labor supporters were the welfare caps the welfare caps are massively popular in working class surveys yes but i that's a result of of a, a concerted five-year propaganda campaign yeah, i think you no. can propagandize in the opposite direction for another five years well, I've not seen much evidence of that. But no one's tried it yet. Everyone's just pathetically gone, oh, look, the the idiots like it when we tell them that the idiot next door to them is the cause of all their problems. But they do, Let's and do it, it works. Too. It always see, has. I know it works, but the alternative has to work too. It doesn't have to. The alternative might not work at all. But someone needs Why to... Why does it have it's to? It's really important that someone try. Who? The, the left-wing Labour candidate who's <laughs> going to fall out the sky... With you would have thought they, again, as I've said, it doesn't really matter what their policies are. It's got to be an appealing monkey. And what surprises me is, out of all the people in the Labour Party across the country and all the possible people who might be prepared to join it and to participate in it, this bunch of showers is the best they've got. It's, it, it does surprise me. Are these people really the best that they can do? Apparently so, but they're so unappealing in every respect um, that... It makes me wonder where your Messiah is going to come from. I'm sure there are people out there. It reminds me a bit about, a bit like the X Factor, where you you, you apparently have tens of thousands of people there and they manage to get eh, acceptable, at best, you know, middle of the road performers. Mm -hmm. And you think, I've I've seen buskers who are better than that, with better voices and more presence. Why isn't the busker on television why are these slightly blander people there similarly with politics i'm sure there are plenty of highly engaged highly engaging people who just never seem to bubble to the top it seems to filter out filter for these robotic idiots well is it and not, i think is, that's necessary it's not the explanation for both desire so the person who the, the talented singer has no desire to haul themselves out on the x factor and the the talented and interesting person interested in politics has no desire to sell themselves out in order to become a, get a powerful position in politics i mean look at andy burnham okay i mean unbelievably poor and you, you can see what he was trying to do. oh i'm i'm a northerner man of the people mm-hmm. sort but he can't play the game properly. He's he's just thick, I think. Right. Um, the others are robotic and are scared, but he's just thick. And you think, my goodness, this is the best you've got. I mean, I don't even find I don't find uh, Cameron particularly impressive, but compared to these other people, he's he's a good player. Yes, it's that that's disconcerting, isn't it? Especially when you compare how weak Cameron is at the box compared to say Haig. Yeah, Cameron is. Is actually, I mean, remember how he was actually, I found him pretty awful mm-hmm. at the, um, uh, during the debates. And of course, he was scared of the debates. That's why I yeah. didn't want to do them because he knew he's pretty awful at them. And in a normal year, if you hadn't been against Miliband, his awfulness would have been obvious. But he seemed like a shining orator compared to <laughs> Miliband. It's just extraordinary how pathetically terrible and banal you, you, the top figures of UK politics are. I think I that's don't what- know. I th- well, it's it's been a self-perpetuating descent, hasn't it? In the sense that what the, 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 what is expected 
is what you get and and what's expected becomes sort of derivative parody of itself and yeah. so but then look at look at remember cheerful cuddly lovely tom watson tom what tom watson who's standing who Teddy. Wants, tom yeah. watson who's standing to be um deputy Teddy, the kiddie fiddler yes indeed tom I'm not watson. talking about dead man um no. Uh, who then voted in favour of the welfare reform? So couldn't didn't even have the testicles to vote against Harmon's commands. Oh, good. Oh, well done, Tom Watson. You cuddly video game playing rebel. You. He does like video games. He loves video games. See, that's why we all love him. Oh, he's like a person. He's like a normal person who will instantly oh, like... betray all his values when told to. Uh, you did you read the reason why they did? They didn't want to fall into the government's trap. Of not of voting against it because if they voted against it, then they would have been voting against lots of other things as well. No, it was they a, were a bundle. They were voting against the clause they introduced themselves. Mm. That's how moronic the whole incident was. Anyway, for mm. we just it's, Tom Watson showed his true colours, so everyone can stop thinking that he's the cuddly, wonderful uh, wonder kid of the Labour Party. Did you say hello to Tom Watson? I didn't. What do you mean? On Twitter, you've spoken to him before. I. I mean, has, has there ever been any video game crossover between you and he? No, I named no? him, shamed him on Twitter, and he was too cowardly to even respond. Oh, how's Don Foster these days? I wonder what's he have to. I wonder. Hopefully, he's just having a lovely time, retiring in his uh, field of lies. Do you know who we haven't heard of for quite some time? Who's that? Nick Clegg. When last <laughs> did you hear anything of or about or from Nick Clegg? Elected politician Nick Clegg. Yeah, um, he's been awfully quiet, hasn't he? What's he up to? What is he up to? I think... What's Nick Clegg up to? <laughs> what does he do for a living now? I don't know. Well, he's a politician, but that's not what his living is. What's Nick Clegg doing now autocomplete? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a fluent speaker of five European languages. Yeah, I bet you isn't. Um, for me... Right, uh, Nick Clegg should do donkey work for five years to repay party for failure, says formal Lib Dem MP. Who, who said that, I wondered. So he's still MP for Sheffield Hallam. And he's going he's gonna to step down. Is he? Yeah. Although Lord Renard's very angry about him. <laughs> Tim Farron says it's time to move on and begin a fresh start. I love that no one's... There's a new leader of the Liberal Democrats who's, and, and we've heard what from him. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Hi, Tim Farron, with your crazy smiley face. Yeah. What have you said since becoming leader? <laughs> Nothing at all. It's been silent. Oh, no. On July the 16th, he said, congratulations... Uh, this is on Twitter, the last time he... July 16th. <laughs> congratulations to new Lib Dems leader, Tim Farron. It's a tough job, but the best in politics. <laughs> mm, lying till the end <laughs> yeah it's it's funny um oh here's funny liberal tim tim the leader of the liberal democrats wikipedia page is a stub <laughs> every this is what nick clegg said on may the 12th every new member of lib dem fightback shows the politics of hope is stronger than the politics of grievance and fear Oh dear! Yeah, I'm trying to find some dirt on uh, on Tim Farron now. Oh, oh he's you know. cre- he's a creepy yeah. Christian, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't like n- naughty things. But he's voted in favour of gay marriage. You, did he vote in favour of? Did he, oh, hang on. He, voted in, he voted in favour of allowing marriage between two people of the same sex at the second reading of the marriage same sex couples bill. But he voted not to timetable the debate on the bill, which would have made it much more difficult to pass had the House of Commons agreed with his position. And yeah. he was absent for the vote on equal marriage on the third. Just reading happened of the to bill. be away. Yeah. 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 Okay. In 2014, he voted in favour of extending the right to same sex marriage to armed forces personnel outside the UK, King, outside the United Kingdom. He currently holds a 90.4% rating on the issue of same-sex marriage according to the website The Public Whip. So, okay, so that's pretty good. Not 100%, though. Yeah, but it's not the worst. I kind of like a liberal to hold 100% on that. I agree, I agree. Is it it asking too much for a liberal to hold 100% on a liberal policy? Is that too much to ask? Is it the moon on the stick? Um, 
Yes. In 2007, he voted against the Equality Act sexual orientation regulations, which for the first time imposed a general restriction on business discriminating against people on the grounds of sexual orientation. However, he voted, in, against, that, he voted yeah. against that. However, in May 2015, he defended a court ruling which found that the Belfast Bakery had acted unlawfully in refusing to carry out an order for a cake in support of gay marriage. So basically, he knows he knows when the game is up and he has yeah. to just fall in line. Sounds like it. Why don't, OK, fair enough. Yeah. He voted against replacing Trident. Yeah. How odd. Oh, well. Could be worse. <laughs> Not sure how. Well, you know. Uh, you, UKIP could have done better. I mean, UKIP seemed to have basically turned into a bit of a, a, bit of a, a soggy blanket. Well, I pred- as someone pointed out, I accurately predicted uh, years ago. Hmm. That they would be the, the, the an ineffective protest vote at the election and then fade to obscurity. I also predicted that. that Farage would resign after the election, which technically I got right. You got right for a few minutes. <laughs> <It's> just, yeah. <laughs> I'm closing the bureau for an hour. <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> He's a treat. But you don't hear much from them anymore, do you? The BBC seem to they have don't abandoned have... them. No, the BBC are bored with their little shiny bauble. They want somebody else now. <laughs> That's right. They're more excited now with... I think the shiny bauble at the moment is obviously Corbyn. It's Corbyn, yeah. yeah. He's a shiny bauble. I still don't think he's going to win, you know. Really? Even though the polls have gotten twice as hit ahead of everyone else? So I imagine it'll be the shy conservative thing will kick in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's sound and fury, and I don't think it's signifying much. But we'll see. I mean, I, I, this is not... Why, I could well be wrong in it, but I just... If I were betting, I wouldn't bet my whole mortgage kind of thing on it, but I would probably... 50 quid that he's not going to be I'd be prepared to lose 50 pounds on it I feel fairly safe so hmm. yeah it's, it's, it is very go. entertaining watching the Labour Party just freak out though it's it's a lot of fun watching them go well hang on what about if we don't have a vote what about if we allow uh, we can only people can only vote for the person we've already picked well that whole you can vote if you pay three pounds thing was a bit stupid yeah, but entertainingly stupid. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. That was very odd. I mean, it was obvious what was going to happen. Three pounds is not a very expensive troll tax, is no. it? No. Extraordinary. Well done. Well done, everyone involved. Shall we say goodbye to the listener? I think we ought. I'm going to say goodbye to the listener first. Okay, and I'll say it second, and then we'll stop recording. Podcast at rumdoings.com. Goodbye, listener. Goodbye.